This week on Invasion of the Podcast, Billy Mitchell's initials are now ASS. We take a look at video games' angriest man, Kratos. And we find out what makes us matter. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where I try to take over the world one listener at a time. I am Paul, and with all of me is, is me, what? What am I saying? And beside me is Steve. Hi, Steve. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I can't talk good now. Um, I, I Sorry, guys, for the delay. I know we left you with the year of the um, year of the knockoff with Abby, and I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope you guys sought out that film, because it's available on YouTube, and, um, and probably the best form you're ever going to see, and it's a fun movie. Um, I, I We meant to do a show after... Immediately after that, um, I had some just life issues that happened, and so I apologize. We're back now um, and ready to talk about some God of War and some other stuff. So, But before we do that, uh, it would be remiss to not mention Cinema Wasteland because we watched Abby to then go see some of the people that were in the film at the Cinema Wasteland convention. We sure did. So even though it was two weeks ago, Steve and I were there. Um, yeah, like so I know... You you bought like some some weird some weird things while yes. you were there. <laughs> well, I picked up your normal like horror convention finds. I picked up a couple of back issues of Fangoria. I oddly enough now now that I think about it though, I did find an issue of uh, the Punisher there, which I was like, <laughs> ah, I want this issue because it was a cover painting by Joe Jesco, who's a artist that I like very much. But uh, uh, one of the films I picked up was called The Devil's Honey. Um, it's a 1980s erotic thriller, if you want to call it that, by uh, Lucio. You have Fulci. me at erotic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it needs to be seen to be believed. It's so you watched it. I watched it, and boy, oh, okay. oh boy, it's very, very unusual. Um, if you're familiar with who Fulci is, um, he's. Uh, more known probably for his zombie films um and i'm not really that well versed honestly in italian italian why can't i say the word italian italian cinema um and i i feel like i need kevin here probably to give me a little <laughs> like uh backdrop of what's good and what's bad of his filmography but uh uh devil's honey is definitely a way out there movie if it's if you have the chance to check it out check it out be warned it's very unsexy erotica is the best way I can put it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, I picked that up. I picked up uh, Popcorn, the movie, which ironically, when we were at um, Wizard World, I'd picked up a sticker of Popcorn, uh, but I picked up a special edition. I think I've that. seen that movie. It's been a long time, though. Yeah, it's it's a it's a 91 um, horror film. I don't think it gets its due. And it was one that actually I wasn't introduced to until probably the last like 10 years. So um, it's just a very interesting um, pre-scream horror movie. Like coming out of the 80s slashers, it's kind of that middle period okay. of where I, we I were. swear I've seen it. I mean, the cover art's iconic with yeah. uh, the person removing their face and yeah. 
Um, so, and I know you also bought another Italian film, uh, Pieces. Pieces, which that's the one that I haven't watched yet. I've seen parts of that. It is messed up. And it's like, so again, like, and thanks to Kevin for being on the show uh, last time to guide us our way, guide us through the exploitation stuff and talking about Abby. He is, he really is like just the, if I have a question about anything remotely Italian, he's the guy I'm going to ask because this is the stuff that he loves and he's so well versed in. And so, yeah, like, I feel like. I feel like the things that you, I, I, I respect that you bought those things as blind buys. Um, and I feel like I could maybe do that now because I'm getting a little bit more comfortable just knowing that I shouldn't know what to expect other than it's going to be crazy. Right. And um, so, yeah, like hats off to you. Like I, I went with the safe route and bought a Blu-ray set of the first eight Friday the 13th movies because I realized I told you, I'm like. I don't own a single Friday the 13th film. And that seemed like a gross like miscalculation on my part that I didn't own a single one. Like I should have at least eight copies of Jason X by now, and I don't. So, <laughs> Did you dig into them on Friday the 13th? Um, I did not, uh, just because uh, Friday was the day. Like, so not to, not to get too much into the sad part of this, uh, and, and I guess I just want to record this because it's just for posterity, and you guys are going to suffer through this. We we had to 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 say goodbye to our dog this week, and that was Saturday the fourteenth. I didn't necessarily want to continue on Friday the thirteenth to be like, you know what, you know what, take my mind off of this impending sadness. Jason Voorhees is killing some campers, <laughs> so you know it was more of a low key evening versus digging into the. To Friday be fair, 13th. I didn't even think that question up. Again, I knew I had <laughs> no, that foreknowledge. No, so no, no, no. Uh... It's fine. It's fine. I'm trying to think. What did we end up watching Friday night? I I I don't know. It was just like we were trying. It's one of those things where we're just trying to be normal, you know, because obviously, like, dogs have have the wonderful knowledge of not knowing what's coming next. And so you're just, you don't want to let them, it's it's almost like you don't want to let them know. It's like, we're just having a fun night. Here's all the cheese you can eat. Just It's fine. It's fine, you know? So, right. yeah. So, no, I've not gotten into the Friday 13th yet. It would have been the perfect day to do it because it was Friday the 13th. So, and I just recently watched the first one because we talked about uh, the burning. So I feel like I should just jump right in and... I, if, if I had my if I had if I had to pick one right now I'd watch six and then probably seven because I haven't watched the new blood in a long time it's probably not good um, I think seven's actually one of the stronger entries really? I mean okay. four is still my favorite uh two is probably my second favorite but uh you know I would which is ridiculous to say I put it in its top in the top five of Friday the 13th movies but like yeah I mean uh the showdown between um uh, Carrie. Well, yeah, I, I feel like her name's <laughs> Tina in the movie, but I can't remember if it's Tina I, now yeah. or not. Um, but her and Jason's showdown is actually pretty impressive, uh, like looking at what they pulled off with that fight. So. Okay, it's been a long time like since, since I've seen it. Because I know the very next one's Takes Manhattan, and that one is just ridiculous, you know? And uh, so I, it's, it's funny how I tend to prefer more supernatural Jason versus like down to earth, which I feel like, you know, like the true Friday Thirteenth fans probably prefer the pre-unstoppable immoral killing machine. Well, you know, I mean, the truth of the truth of the matter is, though, is that uh, the era that you're talking about is the Kane Hodder era, and I think that that's what people. He's still prefer. my favorite actor playing yeah, Jason. Yeah, I think that's that's the people that's the one that people gravitate toward. Yeah. So so thirty bucks for the whole set though wasn't bad, and then uh, not that I would have done this, but um, uh, Microsoft had a special digital download on Friday Thirteenth those same eight movies for 16 bucks 
or was it 16 or 13? Either way, they, they had like like half the price I would have paid what I did end up paying, but it wasn't the physical media. It was just a download. So yeah. I still feel like I got a good deal. I mean, 30 bucks for eight Blu-ray. And it's the, it's the good Blu-rays with all the special features yeah. and everything on there. So that was my big purchase. That and I bought a... Uh, I bought a record uh, of one of the soundtracks from one of the year of the Western films I love that I ended up finding this record. Uh, and I didn't even look at the price. I'm like, I must buy this. Like, uh, that's the problem with Cinema Wasteland. You see one thing, you're like, sure. And you're like, that's how uh, I guess I've committed to it. I'm going to buy it now. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it was it was, it was was a good weekend. Uh, buying stuff that I don't need, you know, spending money I don't have. That's the way it goes. That's uh, every convention. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and we did get to sit in on a panel with um, uh, Austin Stoker and Terry Carter. Uh, and we were all the way back in the, in the back of the room, so it was a little hard to hear, but they told some good stories. After after you left, Steve, I actually went over and told the both of them how much I really, really liked Abby. And I got to shake uh, Austin Stoker's hand. I was like, thank you, sir. I really enjoyed this. And they were happy to hear that you know I enjoyed the film. Um, I didn't buy any merchandise. <laughs> I don't know. Like I just I, like I just really want to let them know that I enjoyed the movie. You know. Yeah. So, and I think that's important. Um, you know. So that that was cool to at least meet people that were in that film that we just talked about. Yeah, I really had a good time with that panel. Uh, the only downside that I can say to it is, is that we sat in the back, which in retrospect was a poor choice because they had the door open. Yeah. So like there were sounds coming into the room from the outside of like people being like, "Hey, it's a way, it's you know." Well, fun. then there was this guy literally sitting behind us, just having a conversation. Yeah. And I just didn't understand, like, dude, like you're just talking, and I'm just like. Like it wasn't just it, it wasn't like a movie like someone in a movie. Just, it, this was a like it's a it's a smaller uh, room at this uh, um, Holiday Inn and Strong like Conference Room. Yeah, it's a smaller one though. But it's like he wasn't he wasn't talking at like regular room voice, but it was like two shades below that, and yeah. he's just having a conversation. And I'm just getting like visibly stressed out because I'm trying to hear the people on the stage. And and like my looked my wife just looked at me and then she knew why I was stressing out and she turned around and she's like, Can you please keep it down? And he's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And then he leaves. I'm like, You were not aware until two seconds ago that right. you were causing this kind of distress. Yeah, I yeah. don't know why you would go to a panel and then sit there and have a conversation. <laughs> Like that makes know. no sense. Yeah, like oh, work, work was okay. I don't know. Like, just, like what? Like what? What's so important to be talking about? Like you know, I don't know. Do you think the Browns are going to draft a quarterback or one? Like, <laughs> I just it was very like it was weird. But either way, it, it's it's wasteland. It's it's just what it is. You get people that really have a good time there, and you get people that are oblivious. And you know, but I'm glad that we got to go and um, report back from. Seeing people that were in Abbey and hearing um, hearing some stories about the making of it that uh, one of the guys uh, broke a rib during one of the yeah. one of the uh, quote unquote stunts because the the rug wasn't tacked uh, tacked down because no one thought about it because it was a cheap production you know so um, yeah that that was uh it was it was it's always interesting to hear kind of like what what happened while making a movie regardless of the budget I think also that's one of the nice things about Wasteland is is that at least one of the things I'm coming to appreciate and you know had Kevin not suggested this movie I still don't know that I would have found Abby uh, immediately but like finding out about that movie getting to watch it and then getting to hear stories about the making of that movie like uh, the week later or less than a week later it was a pretty cool thing and like I I really like the fact that there is something that exists can can give me something like I could sure certainly buy like say the devil's honey on you know 
Amazon, but I don't know I would have been that invested in like it when I had it in my hands and I'm like, oh, I've heard some crazy stuff about this movie. Yeah. I need to pick this up. So that's one of the beauty of, of going to Wasteland. Even if you're going to spend a little bit of money, it's nice to have that right in front of you to, to kind of like, you know, edge you into finding something that maybe you wouldn't find on your own. Yeah, because or- even if you know like one thing, then you look at that one thing you know and you might see something off to the left that you don't know about. And it's like, well, if, it, if it's worthy enough... I put that in quotes uh, right. to be on the same table. Then maybe it's time to check it out, right? So, so yeah, there's there's um, I, it's just it, you know, it's what you make of it. It's what you find there. Like I know, what was it like a year and a half ago? I found those two uh, Twilight Zone resource books that I use now for the other show that I do, and those were those have been just awesome, you know. Yeah. So, so yeah, and 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 I also then at one point, uh, you know, someone purchased for me a bunch of um like late nineties bikini clad gun movies that, you know, so you know, it's, it takes all kinds, but yeah, the wasteland was a lot of fun. If you guys have any interest in like genre, like drive-in exploitation cinema, good news. They're coming back in October and I'm sure we'll talk about it then too. So every six months, these guys show up, just go there, have fun. You might like buy something. You might hang out later and see people just dancing down a hallway to Euro trash music with a Bluetooth speaker. See, That's the thing. Like I never get to stay. I need to like, Maybe look into booking a hotel room or something because I'm never there for the partying. I'm there for the the, the convention, but I'm usually going by like five o'clock. I yeah, need to that's stay and like you just got experience. It's it's wasteland. yeah, just it's just nothing beats just drinking in people's hotel rooms and just being stupid, you know. So that that's a life lesson there for you guys. You know, no matter how old you get, you can always just you can always go drinking in hotel rooms, <laughs> even if you live like a half hour away. Yeah, right. That's what happens. Anyway, so enough about Cinema Wasteland and um, all that stuff. Let's just get. There's been news, um, like in some. I, I want to say good news, but we'll get to that here in a second. everyone i mean there's also bad news in a second too but this 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 news is good for me it makes me happy um there was a documentary out a few years ago uh, it's probably closer to 10 years now it feels like it's been yeah. a while i saw it before i started dating my wife and we will be together eight years yeah so it's been September. a while so the the documentary is called king of kong a fistful of quarters uh and it was about competitive arcade video game records and like the search for it and these guys that started filming this documentary found uh, some interesting stories. And I understand with documentaries, sometimes people will try to cram a narrative in with the footage they have versus letting the story kind of come out. I don't know how much doctoring you could do to um, make someone look more of a villain than Billy Mitchell in this documentary. So it's it involved the two main characters, a guy named Steve Weeby, who was a teacher who I think got laid off or something. This poor guy. Nicest guy in the world. He was always like so close to something and then he just something would happen. Like no matter what it was. Yeah. Like either it was like pitching baseball, like doing music, teaching. Every single time he got a chance to do something significant with his life, like like the wind would get taken out of him. Right? So he decided to start playing Donkey Kong and he broke a record and he submitted it to the Twin Galaxies board. And um they were like, That's great, because he did it in front of everybody, whatever. And then this guy, Billy Mitchell, who was like um I don't know, kind of like the LeBron James of video of like arcade I records. Like you're giving him far too much credit, but all I, right. The guy, the guy, I mean, regardless of what we're about to talk about, he did play a perfect game of Pac-Man. Like he really did that in front of people. This wasn't something that he like doctored and showed later. Gotcha. You know, so this guy has legitimate arcade video game talent. 
but he'd been had he was kind of this guy that always had the records and was always like you know the darling of this twin galaxies thing he shows up with like a videotape saying yeah you know guys i i got a higher score and the twin galaxies is like oh that's on tape it's good enough for us and then steve we got pushed off to the side yeah so um since this documentary there's been other people to come forward and actually have higher scores than these guys, but that's not the point. The point is, is that someone finally started looking at the tape that Billy Mitchell submitted for his record-breaking Donkey Kong run, and they determined that, that he used um, an emulator to to uh, stitch together. Either he stitched together multiple runs, or he just... it. I don't understand the whole technology behind it. Either someone was able to physically point out why that tape was wrong. Yeah, he forged it, basically. Yeah, yeah. and using an emulator versus like an actual arcade board is a big deal, too. And they explain how the scan rates and everything else would show that simulator, not the actual game. And because of this, eventually Twin Galaxies investigated this and said, you know what? Fine, we're kicking this out. By the way, Billy, we're kicking all your scores out, yeah. and you're not allowed ever to submit scores again to us. Um, couldn't happen to a nicer guy, right? Um, oh, Billy Mitchell is just he. he, he um, he has the most punchable face. <laughs> he, uh, he does. I, I'd say him and Ted Cruz are in contention for most punchable face. Billy Mitchell just looks like shitty Jesus. That's what he looks like to me. And, <laughs> and so it's like, what if Jesus Jesus was, was just a, a dick? <laughs> and, and he always wears like a like a like a, a USA like a flag tie. He has a, he has a successful life. Yeah, right? he's like a hot sauce guy, right? Yeah, he makes hot sauce, he whatever, he, and he's just one of those guys that's like a self-made man because of like this stuff, right? And he in, in the documentary, he made the comment about how whenever I get number one score, you know what initials I put up there? USA, because it's the number one country in the world. So that's why we made the comment that his initials now are ASS. Because, so I, I understand that this... So Twin Galaxy is now recognizing that Steve Wiebe was the first person to break a million points in Donkey Kong. So he's not the high score record holder now, right. but he was the first person to cross that threshold like officially. So that's good, you yeah. know? Um, and I don't know what he's doing now, but I'm sure he feels a little vindicated. I just know when the doc, the documentary came out, he kind of, he did kind of the circuit of like all the, like, you remember G4? Yeah. He uh, was on attack the show there for a little bit. Like he would just show up sometimes. It was like, so the, the people that were into video games and understood this type of culture really liked Steve Wiebe and they felt kind of sympathetic towards him. Well, he seemed like a really genuine, nice dude too. Yeah. Like, I mean, there, there's a scene, if I remember correctly, in the documentary where like his kid is crying and he's like, he won't go away from the game. Because he's trying to play the, play yeah. the game and you hear the kid saying, <laughs> Dad, I got to poop. And he's like, just, just hold on, just hold on. <laughs> like, but like, that's the meanest thing that you could say about him. Like, yeah. he, he, like other than that, he's a really nice guy and he cares about his family and yeah. his community. And uh, he, uh, you know, kind of just got gypped. A yeah, lot. I, honestly, and, and, and not to, I mean, I guess it's really the documentary a little bit, but it's still a fascinating documentary. Like, I own it. I've watched it multiple times. It's it's a really interesting story. And then also the culture around the competitive video game playing. Yeah. Like, that's just the whole thing. And, and then them kind of breaking down why Donkey Kong is one of the most brutal games ever made and explaining how many things could go wrong on any given second. You know, they said what the average Donkey Kong game lasts a minute and a half or less than a minute and a half. And these guys play this thing to a kill screen. You know, yeah. and it's like it's 
it's crazy, right? So, but the fact that like the rugs pulled out from Billy Mitchell now, and he he is now telling people, well, I will be proven right, and basically his this his argument is ridiculous. Yeah, his argument is that when he submitted the tape, the rules weren't what they were, so he didn't do anything wrong. He's not saying he cheated, right? Which he did. He's just saying based upon the current the the, the previous criteria, he didn't. You know, it's like no, and also he's giving statements to. Um, outlets that he has partial ownership on or he's on the board for so he's trying to control the narrative through his own channels and it's like it's just like give it up like if you got busted you got busted and if you want to if you want to show how good you are then have a live event where you play the game in front of people and prove it just because you're not you just because you can't submit your highest score to twin galaxies doesn't mean that there wouldn't be document of it you right. know, and I, and I uh, maybe maybe the whole thing is like this is now ten years plus, and maybe your your abilities have fallen, or maybe you're not as sharp as you used to be. That's fine too. I get it, but it's like if your whole thing is like I'll be vindicated, but you can't prove it, then just you're gonna fall on your your sword for what? You know, like I just maybe just say you know what, all like X Y Z was legitimate. This was not. I, I was self-conscious. I didn't want this this really nice guy in Washington that loved his family. I didn't want him to win, you know, because I'm a I'm I am a villain in a really shitty comedy. Like that's I feel like Billy Mitchell is that guy in the '80s that would just tell all the local kids that they're not allowed on the ski slope because now he's going to sell it for condominiums and all the rich people are going to be in there. And and, they, and there's like that one contest that they can all be part of. And he's like, no, you got to have sponsors. And he's like, he's that villain that keeps all the locals out of something. That's what he feels like to me. He feels like a uh, William Zabka uh, <laughs> yeah. character. Yeah, a little bit, right? Oh God, I I want to see now. Now I want a King of Kong re-release with like another 20 minutes of footage of the downfall of Billy Mitchell, which, you know, I don't need understand to come how back. they don't know, do a new documentary. On yeah. That. Cause like, they, they added an addendum at the end that we be like broke the score. Here I am ruining the documentary, but it's, it's over 10 years old. Go find it. Um, spoilers, spoiler. Paul. Sorry. What, one second. <laughs> do you know why they are called spoilers? <laughs> I'm spoiling a documentary, which is spoiling reality. I don't know. Um, yeah, we be does kind of like, you know, keep, keep at it. Um, but I don't just, this, there, there is just some weird tension that goes on amongst the two and it's just a hell of a story. And I really, I, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite documentaries. So to find out that the Billy Mitchell has been disgraced and removed from everything just makes me very happy. Yeah. And if you're also just looking for a documentary that's, you know, light and fun to watch, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's engaging as any documentary I've ever seen, but it's also like, it's not like, I'm going to sit down and watch making a murderer, you know, like (laughs) where you're just like, I just want to go and like cry after watching it. Like you'll, you'll enjoy actually watching uh, I hate that there's been justice for Steve Weeby before there has <laughs> right. been for Brendan Dassey. Like, what is wrong with this world? Oh man, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that that that's that. I just want we had to comment. It's, you can't that can't not happen and us not comment on it. So, all right. So that that's the good news. So now here is here is the bad news. Hooray! Hooray! Denied. We got some deaths to talk about. Not that we're responsible for them, but we just got to mention them because I just feel like we'd be remiss not to mention it. So, uh, Arlie Ermy uh, passed away this week, as well as Harry Anderson. Um, they're both important for different reasons. Uh, more people know Ermy from um, Full Metal Jacket and always being the army guy and everything because yeah. he was an army guy and then became an actor, but was usually cast as an army guy. <laughs> 
Um, my just, favorite is his scene in. Uh, He's the he's like the captain, I think, in seven. I hope you're going to mention the scene I was going to mention, please. Yeah, where he's sitting at the desk and the phone rings. He just picks it up and he says, "Hell, this isn't even my desk," and he, he slams the phone, the phone down. Yeah. This isn't even my desk. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, yeah. Like he plays like the police captain in that. Like he uh, he one of my other favorite roles of him is of his is being like the ghost drill sergeant in the Frighteners, where he keeps all the ghosts in the graveyard like, yeah. in, in check, and he's like the one guy that isn't like gooey or like. <laughs> disgusting looking because he is so rigid in his like routine of being military that he can't even let himself decompose that's yeah. how how much of a badass he is and uh he was also the 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 coach that was in jail in saving silverman which I, right. and i love him in that too just because he's such like a side character and then at the end when you find out that like jack black's character uh he, when, when jack black's character realizes that he himself is gay uh, at the very end, when everybody's all getting married, he's like, "Well, he's like, I'll never find anybody." And then, um, and Arlie Emery's character's like, it says something about like, "Well, I'm gay." He's like, "Well, I'm gay too." He's like, "You want to get married?" So then they get married <laughs> at the end, and it's so, it's like that's just the sweetest couple. So, I, I don't know. Like he was good at comedy when given the chance. He was intimidating as all get out. Like he's just one of those character actors that made everything better when he was in it. Yeah. He was even an AI, if I remember right, for like a second, wasn't he? He was in that too. I only saw it in the theater, and yeah. my memory of that is very vague at this point. Uh, probably for the best. I know people can defend that movie. I was not a fan, but I know he was. A, I swear he was in that for a minute. So he was in, he was in some important films, obviously Full Metal Jacket. I mean, I think AI would make sense because that was a Kubrick project that Spielberg took over. That's true. Um, so, yeah, I just I and, and I know also another role he was uh, he had he was the father of House in the TV series House. So he was like very interesting casting. If I watch, I'll be wrong on that, but I swear that's true. He was uh, he was on one episode of Scrubs as the father of the janitor. That's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. yeah. Um, I want yeah. My knowledge of House is very limited. However, I was a huge fan of Scrubs. So if there's random Scrubs trivia out there, chances are I probably know it. I, I put Father of House. I said Father of House music. Uh, <laughs> he was also the father of house music. I don't know if you guys know that or not. <laughs> <Yeah>. But uh, <laughs> well, it's it's popping up pretty early there. Yeah. All right. So he was. Yeah, he was the father of of House. There you go. So that yeah, like just thinking of him versus um. Uh, the actor's name that plays House, like Hugh being Laurie. His, yeah, who Laurie? It's like I didn't watch the show, but for whatever I, I, reason, my I mind's blanking. That. I don't know. I don't know things anymore. But anyway, yeah, it's just you know, it's 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 unfortunate by all accounts that he was the nicest guy in the world. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's just that he's character actor. You may not have known his name, but you've seen him and you've liked him. So and it's it's sad that he's gone. And Full Metal Jacket is not like a fun movie to watch, but his performance no, in that movie is amazing. It's not exactly a crowd pleaser. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he he passed away, and then immediately after that, this one hurts too. Harry Anderson, uh, magician, comedian, actor, probably uh, that order. Yeah. You know, he was he was Harry he was uh, Judge Harry Stone on Night Court. And I was reading through some of his stuff, and they made the character Harry on Night Court the same name, so he would remember when people said when the people talked to him, because <laughs> he was never he was not an actor. He kind of kind of fooled around, and then like he was a guest star on something I forget what it was, but then they gave, handed him the script for Night Court, 
as basically he was just himself, and that was enough. He you know? had for a year or two. He had bits on Cheers. That's it. Yes, um, yes. And he was a like, Comic Con man. Yeah, yeah and yeah. it was kind of nice because he would only be in like one scene, but it was always him conning somebody, uh, and it felt like it was always usually, usually at either the beginning of the episode or at the end. Yeah, he was Harry the Hat. Yeah, um, and. Uh, not only that, um, not only Night Court, but he was also in the television version of It. Yes. Um, and he gives a really great performance in that as well. And that was different at the time because it was dramatic. Yeah. I mean, he was playing playing Richie, even though Richie was kind of a motor mouth. He still had, he had more of a dramatic role that, than what you're used to seeing on Night Court. But yeah, it's just it's a bummer. Like, did, did did you watch Thirty Rock at all? Yes, I did. So there was the the impromptu night court reunion that they had to have for the final episode. <laughs> they all hate each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was you know that was fun and it's just sixty five like that doesn't that doesn't seem old anymore. You know, no. maybe just because we're getting older, it's just like crossing fingers. But right. uh, yeah, it's just a bummer. You know, because again, I, I of all the things that are available on the stream and to binge. Night Court is not available. I don't no. understand that. Like Cheers is around. It maybe it still is. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I my wife did a like rewatch of it a year or two ago on Netflix. I don't know if it's still on there. It but was. You it was watch, on there. Yeah. yeah. Like my, it makes me mad that Night Court and the Drew Carey Show are not available on streaming. Drew Carey Show. We actually looked into that. Apparently, it's it has to do more with the um, music licensing. Yeah. Because like at one point I was like, God, I really miss the Drew Carey Show. I wish I could go back and watch episodes of that. And I did a little digging, and like it's just. Not it's out there stuck because in, of, yeah. yeah. Well, same thing happened to Malcolm in the Middle for the longest time was the music rights. That's why it was never available for the longest time. Yeah. And I think maybe they even changed some of the music just to get it to to, to get rid of the, the the rights, whatever. But yeah. Anyway, so I I wish Night Court was out there because I feel like Night Court would still have a good fan base because like people right people still lose their minds over Golden Girls, which rightfully so. It's a it's a it's a fun show. But I feel like that kind of belongs in the NBC comedy. Like there was, there's certain NBC comedies that just all were kind of all lumped together, and they all kind of felt the same, and they were all good. You know, I had a tape recorder when I was a kid, and we didn't have a VCR at this point that would record TV shows. We had a VCR player, which I always thought was weird, but not a recorder. Um, so like, if I was like going to bed or like we were going somewhere and I had, couldn't watch something, it would literally like set my tape recorder down and record episodes. And I very much specifically remember recording an episode of Night Court and listening to the theme <laughs> over and over again because I always loved the theme. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, that's a good bow, theme. Bow, 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 bow. Someone, so. someone redid the the Daredevil intro with Night Court like intro. Oh, that's so hilarious. they did like the cast of Daredevil, but with the Night Court music and everything, and it was like perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just this is one of those shows, right? And I miss it. And like, if I catch it on, like, because like regular broadcast TV will still run it, as well as the Drew Carey show. Like, so I'll find that sometimes. But it's like, I would just I would be head over heels to have. I miss Night Court. Night Court was like. When I was growing up, I felt like that was the first like this sounds bad, the first grown up like comedy I liked. And it's not it's not really grown up, even though it did kind of deal with a little bit of Dan Fielding's womanizing and alcoholism. I think he was the one that was the We all wanted uh, you know, Harry and uh, um, uh Marky Post. Post, whatever her name was in yeah, the show, I to forget. Get together. Um yeah, yeah. And, and obviously Bull, you know, like you liked all the characters and then whatever other bailiff they had that didn't die. I believe it was Selma was the first one and, and then, then 
one. The, the, they had the second one, then she passed away. Yeah. And then they brought in um Marsha Warfield. Yeah, and she was awesome too, right? But uh but like Night Court even got to the point to where it got so cartoonish that they literally had Wiley e. Coyote on trial in one of the cases <laughs> when well trial, whatever it's night court, but he was in right. front of the court and he and like you hear Harry say, and stop chasing that damn bird, and it was Wiley e. Coyote standing there <laughs> in animated form. So I, yeah. I think uh, one of my favorite things too is, is if you're a Star Trek fan, uh, the gentleman who plays Data played a um, recurring character. Brett Spiner was yeah. on there? Oh, Brett I Spiner. didn't know that. Uh, he was like a farmer who would always lose like whatever his farm was or, <laughs> uh, and I can't think of his name now, but uh, look up uh, Brent Spiner's credits. He was in like a handful of episodes of uh, of uh, Night Court, and I always go back to that and think of him on that show. But yeah, but Harry Anderson was the anchor, you know, and that's just, it's a bummer because he was charming and he would bring his magic into the show and just, it was, yeah, I, it's just one of those guys that like it. I hadn't thought of, you know, of course, I don't, you know, it's just when you think of like, you know, comedy and comedians, he wouldn't be the first person to be like the, the forefront, but hearing him gone, the world just feels less funny now, you know? And I, and that's a, that's just unfortunate. Well that, and I always uh, think of Mel Torme. Like I, I think of, oh, yeah, yeah he, his, he was obsessed with Mel Torme. So yeah. that's always the thing that I think of. So that's right. So, all right. So uh, rest in peace, you guys. Like, so. Let you, there's two more slots now for memorable character actors. You yeah. guys better show up and do something, whoever those are. And there was one other passing yes. that I'll mention real quick. Milos Forman, who uh, is a acclaimed director. Um, I was just going to mention uh, there's a uh, documentary on his film with Jim Carrey about the life of Andy Kaufman on uh, Netflix. Man on the Moon? Yeah. Um, if you just want to see like what he had to deal with making that movie, it's utterly batshit crazy so was it called jim and andy or something yeah. like that yeah okay I, I don't think this is a horrible admission to say i don't think i've seen any of that director's films and um i speaking of cinema wasteland they just showed one flew over the cuckoo's nest while while i was there i missed the showing uh because michael berryman who yeah. was also in attendance of the show uh was there and i know he was in that film it's been a while since i've seen it but i would recommend that I feel like I should. Bad year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just you know, like the important big films, I uh, I've not seen, but you know, goddamn, if it has robots fighting things, I'm like, yeah, I'm in there. I'm fine. I've seen <laughs> I've seen that seven times. I've seen Robo Vampire. I've seen Robo Vampire. I've watched um whatever con- Alien Contamination. Yeah, uh, not not the important ones, but all right. So uh, one last uh, bit of news. I know you wanted to mention this uh, because the day we're recording, which it would be. Uh, April 18th, not to date ourselves, but that's what we're recording. Oh, yes. It's the uh, 80th anniversary of Superman. Uh, On this day, the first issue of Action Comics was published, and we got our very first superhero. He turns 80 today. And what's crazy is that like I remember the Time Magazine cover that came out when he turned 50, and that feels like (laughs) yesterday. You were just sitting at home recording Night Court on your tape recorder? (laughs) That's right. I was recording Night Court on my tape recorder, and I was reading Time Magazine. Yeah, you know, like all kids do, you know? (laughs) Well, I mean, 80, right, right, it's just... Superman starting to reach Captain American levels of just like, oh, you've been around a long time, haven't yeah. you? You know, so, you know, and maybe one of these days they'll do a pretty good movie with him in it. We'll, we'll see. Uh, pretty good movie. <laughs> I I believe we discovered I know. the first one. Is the first still... one is pretty good. Yeah. All right. Uh, so anyway, that's enough about news. So 
so <laughs> some people lost their legs. Some people died and Superman turned 80. Oh, wait, I have one more story. I, there, I forgot to tell you. I have a secret story. I was going to tell secret. you this secret story real quick. Just <laughs> so the end is nigh. I thought maybe that, that was the secret, secret story. story. <laughs> yeah. So the headline here is baboons work together to escape from biomedical testing facility. Oh, my God. So uh, four baboons held at a Texas biomedical facility uh, briefly escaped on Saturday after figuring out how to use a large barrel to break free. So evidently they have a whole this whole area full of baboons that they use for testing for various things. And I... <laughs> I well, don't that know sounds what it awful. is. It just sounds like Project <laughs> X to me, that yeah. 80s film. But it's like, we're going to teach you how to fly and then just hit them with a shit ton of radiation <laughs> and see what happens. And one of them smokes. And Matthew Broderick is there killing baboons. One of them goes through a teleporter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, what happened was they had these large barrels that they... That they um, They've, they've called enrichment items, meaning that they would let the baboons play with them and they'd roll them around and like, you know, food would come out. So it was kind of a rewarding thing too to roll these barrels around. <laughs> but they were pretty tall and four of them figured out how to kind of stand it up and they got on top and got out, right? So the, the, that's not like, that's pretty funny to me, but I'm going to show you real quick. There people, so as they're out and about running away, people started seeing them um, running down the road. And here's a video of someone driving their car. I'm showing this Steve right now with um, with a baboon running down the road and people from the facility chasing after them. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I've seen crazy stuff in my car. I've never seen a baboon running by and a man chasing him. <laughs> with with no context, right? right. Like, and so, Honey, did I just see a baboon being chased down the road? <laughs> someone, someone tweeted, they're like, Yo, I was kind of cheering for the baboon. So... I the best part about this though is that one the baboons figure out how to get out. Two, they, they were making a break for it. They were booking it. The guys were chasing after them. And three, this is now how a man ends. That's all. Now that baboons have figured out how to get out, it's only a matter of time before for a world they, of apes before they before they find guns. You know, any circus will be their leader. So this is this is the rise of the planet of the apes here, not the whole monkey flu thing that happens. It's just they get out in Texas and run around. So I figured. Oh, you, it's Texas. They're definitely finding guns. Was it? Was, I thought it was Texas. I thought it. Um, did I just make up that place? Um, well, no. Texas is a real place. No, Texas is a real place. No, Texas Biomedical Research. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Um, Let's see. It's San Antonio. So San Antonio, you're now under siege by baboons. Oh, man. North Carolina has pterodactyls. Texas has, which we, don't, we haven't seen them, but we Texas have, has baboons. And we have turkeys. We have turkeys. That's right. We are so close to the apocalypse. We don't, like, that's that's the truth. Animals We're, will overthrow us. Yes. So that, I don't know why. That's a happy story. So, all right. Uh, that's that's going to do it for, for news and getting caught up. I knew it was going to run long because we haven't talked to you guys about things other than Abby in like two weeks. So, all right. So let's just get to, uh, let's get to talking about uh, God of War eventually. We'll I'll get to I, talking about some God of War here. I, I, lost, I lost the button, but I'll just, I'll just play this.
so our feature presentation for the evening is going to be talking about God of War and the main character of that series, Kratos. Um, just to give you guys a little bit of background about me, I think I've mentioned this before on the show, I have not actually owned a gaming system since the original Xbox. So for me, my knowledge of video games doesn't really extend past... Uh, the Halo series and uh, Star Wars Battlefront was like the, the last game that I really remember being into. Um, when Paul brought this idea to me, he, he was like, hey, there's a lot of cool stuff here that I think you would dig, a lot of things to check out. And he's like, here's a lot of research for you to, you know, check out and read up on and uh, kind of get you into the world. So I, I did some looking into it and watched some videos and um, kind of got enamored with the world of God of War. Um, but as somebody who hasn't played it, I can't really speak from that perspective. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't really have much to talk about when it comes to actual gameplay other than what I've watched in videos. But knowing what a fan of uh, God of War Paul is, I wanted to first just start off by asking him the question of, you know, what is it that attracted you initially to the series and what is it that keeps you coming back to it? Because I know that you have not only the games, but you even have like a special edition PlayStation, <laughs> is that yeah, correct? I do. Yeah. <clears throat> so I kind of wanted to get a little bit of feeling as we go into this, you know, what your fandom is for this and, and what it is that appeals to you the most. So first, I appreciate that you took the time to watch the videos and read some of the stuff I sent to you, because I know since you don't game uh, with the current generation uh, things, like it's, that's, that's a tough road to hoe when I'm just like, you should read about video games. I knew that you'd be interested in this because once you kind of got a little bit about the character and then the art style and the world it was trying to purvey, it's a cool world. Oh and, yeah. And, and it's very engrossing. Um, so, and you're right. I do have, so uh, I'm going to bounce all over the place a little bit here. Cause you asked me a question. I'm going to explain the PlayStation three that I still have. Um, cause <laughs> my, my, my living room is just game systems. You know, it's all, it's all it is. Cause you know, when you don't have kids, and you marry somebody that also likes video games, screw it. Just put video game systems all over the place. It's fine. If you look behind our TV, there's a, a, um, a, was it, um, a Guitar Hero guitar that's collecting dust, but we still have it. Uh, I have a Ruby Red PlayStation 3, or Ruby, it, it was called Ruby Red. It was a God of War PlayStation 3 they put out specifically with the release of God of War Ascension, which was the most recent game put out until two days from now when they put out the new God of War, and this is the reason why I mentioned this to Steve, because the game's coming out on Friday. Uh, that system came with all the console available versions of the game, meaning there were six titles that came out. Uh, there was one that was a mobile game I never played. I didn't even know it existed until I started rereading about everything. Um, it's called so, Angry Birds God of War. Yeah, yeah it's just, uh, yeah. <laughs> just, Kratos just throws birds at things, which isn't too far off. No, uh, so to backtrack further, um, many, many, many moons ago when I was working at GameStop, because, uh, you know, anybody that works at GameStop in retail, I, I worked at Blockbuster before I worked at GameStop. I make good life decisions. Uh, when I was working at GameStop, they, there was a demo put out uh, by Sony for, for God of War. And it was just because back then, whenever you go to pre-order or anything, they'd give you a demo disc, right? And they don't do that so much anymore. Uh, but demos were a big deal, and so we put this demo in the the PlayStation Two th uh, demo setup that we had, and this game was like unlike anything I'd seen before, in the sense that it was action, it was fluid, there was platforming, there was puzzles, and the demo gave you pretty much the entire first level up until the very last fight. But this thing was different because you um, 
started this fight as Kratos. We'll talk about the character more here in a second. A guy that had multiple moves using these the blades of chaos, which are basically knives that are attached to chains, and the chains are branded to his forearms, like they're like burned into his forearms uh, for reasons we'll get to later. Um, like very fluid combat, and then there were some light puzzle elements. The action was tight, um, but throughout this entire level, while you're going through the sh- like um, the G and C, and like the sh- like where the the ships are wrecked this Hydra showing up like the various heads of this Hydra and it was big and it was scary. And it was this thing. It was an antagonist through the whole level. Like you'd be going through a belly of a ship. There'd be a Hydra head that'd fill up the entire screen. You had to fight it. And you're just a regular looking dude. I mean, granted you're an angry dude with a big tattoo all over your body and you have these blades, but how do you fight a Hydra head? You know, it's like a very, it was showing you the scale of this game at the very beginning. Um, and then you get all the way through the level at the very end, you fight the, like you go to face off against the main Hydra head and the thing roars at you. And that's the end of the demo. It's like a 20 minute demo. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. I have to get this game. Um, so I immediately got it, fell in love with it. And I've been, I've played every game in the series since. Um, and I'll explain some of the problems I've had recently with the series, uh, later. Um, so something about the gameplay was very fluid. I liked, I'm not always the best with like chain combo combat, meaning like you can button mash your way through things. God of War, you certainly can play it that way. But if you were smart about how you did your combat, it was much more rewarding and satisfying. And I dug that. I dug um, the different uh, magic abilities that, and the, for lack of a better word, that you'd be granted by the gods. There were some unique things there. But mainly, it was also just the story of Kratos, and which that's kind of what I wanted you to read about a little bit. Um, when I play video games, if I'm given a choice between being a good guy or a bad guy, I'm always a good guy. I don't know. I can't just be the bad guy for being bad. Uh, God of War doesn't give a shit about any of that. You are Kratos, and he is a bad guy, but he's not. he's not evil. Right. You know, and that to me is very interesting and this is this was the time when sony wanted to get more original uh ips on their system to kind of be different from xbox because xbox their their killer app at the time was halo like that game it it was a launch title and people were blown away by it and like that's if you wanted to play the best shooter at the time you had to buy an xbox and like what did playstation have at the time they were kind of running they didn't have much i mean they had some but they didn't have much and like Nintendo was also still right neck and neck at the time because they'd put out, uh, they just put out the 64 around the same time. And of course, you, you always had your Mario and your Zelda. They're always going to be your staple games. Um, but what did Sony have? You know, so it, it, they, what did they have that was their original content? And so they put out this game where previously, you know, most game systems would have a very fan friendly, like mascot be their flagship. And at this time, and I'm sure I could be corrected later, I can't think of what Sony was putting foot forward to be the face of their system. But having an original IP that's based in Greek mythology with the guy that the whole reason he exists is just to kill because he's pissed off about decisions that he's made. Though he likes to project his decision-making on others, I'll say that, that's a very aggressive stance versus um, some of the more approachable uh, characters and stories. So that's why I think I appreciated it because I didn't have a choice. Kratos was going to do as he wanted. And I was just along for the ride. 
Okay. Now, when I ask this, I well, first let me just say, was Crash Bandicoot was that PlayStation was that kind of? Oh no, 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 you're right, you're right. That was around the time. But was see, that like, their yeah. like attempt at a Mario slash Sonic type character? It's right, and Crash was the unofficial. Well, he was the mascot for a while, and Crash had had a run, but he was not ever going to be on the same level as Mario. Or I mean, Sonic was kind of like that after Sega collapsed. Sonic showed up on other systems. But he was never going to be Mario. He was never going to be, like, I don't know. Like they kind of they tried to make him edgy, <laughs> like not edgy as in like offensive. But do you remember the old PlayStation commercials where the guy in the big Crash Bandicoot suit walking around yeah. talking to people? They tried, I don't know. And then um, Crystal Dynamics had the Gex series, the Gecko that was kind of the smartass Gecko. Like that, there, there was, there was. A, I think you're a, thinking of Geico. Yeah, right. <laughs> there was, there was a whole run there of like um, animal like platformers yeah. right so you're right sony did have what are we trying the to take their you know their you know their grasp for that character that would be their you know their trademark i guess but yeah. uh you know taking it back to god of war you know one of the things that i looked at through my research was is that uh and i say this in a loving way knowing that like i have a ridiculous amount of mythology in my head about different superheroes and comics and movies and things like that um but it's a very and i don't mean this in a bad way but it's a very convoluted world in the sense that there's a lot of backstory i was actually surprised by how much backstory there was um from his interactions with the gods to uh him getting his markings from uh his brother's being based off of his brother's yeah, you, okay, yeah. birthmarks so, yeah. to um, Pandora's box. I mean, and I realize that I'm I'm jumping from game to game, different games, but like I will say that like the mythology is very very rich, um, and I guess convoluted may have been more of a derisive term. It's I didn't not mean it to be, but it's not convoluted is a good way because like so there are six games. Uh, chronologically, they were not released in order of game one through game six in terms of story. Uh, so you had the main three God of War games, which were one, two, and three that came out in order. Uh, and then there was also at the same time, uh, if you remember the PlayStation Portable, the the PSP handheld, mm-hmm. um, South Park had some great episodes involving that, uh, the golden PSP. Uh, there was two games put out for that um, that filled in the gaps between the like right before the first God of War game and then between one and two. And so they the, the whole connected there was actually a whole connected story running through all that. So that mythology is okay. Once you get to three, that the big thing, and not to jump around, but two ends on such a cliffhanger that your your three starts off with the resolution of that cliffhanger, and then then you almost feel like the game's like, well, shit, we need to still have ten hours of story here, and it kind of muddles through the rest. And the gameplay's still good. The mechanics are still solid. There's some interesting characters, but I feel like they didn't know how to end the story, so it gets muddy. Yeah. Um, so that's unfortunate because um, even with the PSP games, which were developed by a different studio, then uh, the, the 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 first three God of War games were developed by Santa Monica Studios, which is a, a Sony in-house studio. The the PSP games were developed by a uh, developer called Ready at Dawn that um, convinced Sony to let them make God of War games for the PSP. Because at first, Sony was like, there's no way the tech can be... Like we can't, the PSP can't put it out, and they're like, "Yeah, it can. We can show you how." And they they proved it. And those games are awesome too. Like I waited till they reported over because I didn't want to buy a PSP because 
I don't know if you guys. I have too many game systems as is. He's got an uh, entire chair made out of old Atari. Yeah, I do. You know, <laughs> um, and it's and it's just a bunch of ET games on top of each other. But uh, the, even those games, the Ready at Dawn found a way to fit the the mythos and the mythology and tell interesting stories. Like you mentioned, Demios, which is the brother of Kratos, that had a birthmark on his face, and when he was taken away. At a young age, Kratos took it upon himself to get a tattoo in honor of his brother, which is this big red stripe that's all over, like from his, his head down to his torso. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't part of the original story. Radio Don found a way to fit that in. Like that was a cool story element. Uh, the fact that Kratos' skin is like ghostly white is really interesting in the sense that the story is is that Kratos was this big badass um, Spartan who wanted to tell the world the glory of Sparta like Leonidas in 300. So he was Gerard Butler, basically just kicking people down wells, but he made better movies. He, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was like, just kicking ass all over the place. Wanted to let everybody know that Sparta was amazing until he ran into the, these barbarians and the barbarians had the upper hand. And just as the barbarian King was about to kill him, uh, Kratos calls out to Ares saying my life for you, if you could defeat my enemies. So Ares, who was a bit of a dick, I just a spoiler, Shows up and spoiler alert: yeah, spoiler, Ares is a dick. Ares is a dick. I mean, he's the god of war. He's a dick. He makes Kratos his herald, kind of like his silver surfer to his Galactus, mm-hmm. right? So there you go. There's your kind of connection. Uh, and so he sends. Um, so he gives uh, Kratos these these blades of chaos, which graft to his forearms with these chains, and basically he can't he can't let go of these weapons. But he is now made into like this war machine, and he's fighting for the glory of Sparta. After, after some time, like his wife kept like kind of like saying, well, when's this going to be enough? When's this going to be enough? And she's starting to question his motivations. Like, is this for, is this for Sparta? Is this for you? And mm-hmm. he, you know, was blind to that. And he started attacking this village that was full of worshipers of Athena. And an Oracle was like, you don't want to do this. And he's like, get out of my way, old woman, because I'm Kratos and I'm angry at everybody. And he goes in and slaughters this room full of um, Athenian worshipers. Unbeknownst to him, his wife and daughter are in there and he kills them. Uh, because Which Ares, I wanted to ask yeah. about just because I thought that, that was a very interesting part of the story. Was that was it ever explained why they were in there? Because yes. my my take of it was that Ares had actually Ares had actually put them in there. He did. He okay. did that on purpose because this whole thing was the only thing keeping Kratos from fulfilling his potential, quote unquote, was to get rid of all ties to his humanity. Okay. So he put his wife and daughter there for Kratos to kill, to sever all connections and basically become like this perfect embodiment of war. And Kratos, like he bet, he bet wrong. Kratos like took it the wrong way and held a grudge against Ares. Rightfully so, you know, like, I mean, that's the thing that keeps him going from what I'm looking at it. Pretty much story points. Yeah. So as, as the, the temple burns, the ashes of his, uh, his wife and daughter, uh, attached to his skin. So he's forever cursed carrying the pale skin because it's actually their ashes, on his skin. They refer to him for the rest of the series as the ghost of Sparta. So that is like his whole driving thing. And he feels guilt. He's driven mad by the visions of him killing his wife and child. Then he gets pissed because Kratos, that's his first emotion always is being pissed. Uh, he decides, well, I'm not going to serve Ares anymore. I'm going to go serve the rest of the gods trying to win their favor. And that's the bulk of the story to begin with is him going to Athena saying, how do I do this? And basically Ares is storming around all of Greaseland, whatever, however far the mythology reaches, because I don't think this is the whole world. Uh, he's just going around doing what he wants, and Zeus uh, doesn't want gods to interfere. So basically, she's like, you need to kill Ares, and I will tell you how to do so. So through the games, he you know gets powers. Uh, another thing I like about video games, 
like this, and it's also like why I like Mega Man is as you kill the bad guys, you acquire strength and abilities from them. And God of War is really good mechanics wise at always giving that extra little thing that's a fun new toy to play with. In the first game, um, at one point you fight um, a Gorgon like Medusa, you rip her head off, and you can then hold that up and, and turn enemies to stone and break them. And it's awesome, right? And you can do these combos and whatever. And I like that a lot. Um, and you get different god powers because they're like, hey, here, you want to throw lightning bolts? Go go kill Ares. It's fine. Um, so you go through all this, and I'd, I'd be remiss not to mention that the other reason I like God of War a great deal, aside from the atmosphere, the character, and the music's amazing, is that in the first game alone, um, the second half of the game is one large puzzle. Whenever, I don't know if you saw, when you there, there's this wonderful video that was put out with Peter Weller narrating all of the history of Kratos. So you have RoboCop talking about Kratos. It was a very interesting choice of like, <laughs> what's Peter Weller doing? <laughs> you see him walk around these columns, and he's just like, but for Ares and Kratos. It's like he's yeah. talking like they're real, like it was so great. Um, you know, and he's like, and Ares said to Kratos, your move, creep, you know, like and whatever. If you are if you are a fan of uh, the God of War games uh, and you haven't seen this documentary, even as somebody who hasn't played the game, I found it very fascinating. So I would highly recommend. Yeah, the it's the it's God of YouTube. War three uh, bonus features. There's a documentary that it's Peter Weller, like narrating all of it. But also they bring in uh, Greek people that know Greek mythology and also like philosophy that kind of explain the idea of the Greek tragedy. Yeah. And that, that frames Kratos really well mm -hmm. because right now he is this being that's on this mission of vengeance, but a lot of it is because of his own, uh, like his own doing. But he also doesn't want to acknowledge it because if he acknowledges that he had a part in it, then it kind of, you know, it's basically he's mad that he wanted power. He got it. He screwed up and killed his family. He's blaming Ares for all of it, which Ares did cause part of it. But him blindly ignoring the warnings of the Oracle, he did it himself, right? So he's driven mad by this. Um, but the second half of that first game is the Temple of Pandora, which is on the back of the Titan Kronos crawling through this desert. And this is Temple. And the second half of the game is unlocking. It's it's puzzle on puzzle on puzzle on puzzle. And as you each do each small puzzle in the Temple, it eventually unlocks the entire thing. And I've never played a game that's been like that. And you, you're not aware of it until about halfway through. You're like, oh, I'm unlocking this entire structure. But each puzzle by itself is designed on its own. It's very cool. So let me ask you this when it comes to the puzzles. Because I'm going to go back to uh, 2003 when the Eric Bana Hulk movie came out. There was a Hulk video game that came out, which... 90% of it felt like you were just going in and solving puzzles and then you'd get to freak out as the Hulk for like maybe 10 minutes and then go back to solving puzzles. <laughs> was And it was the most frustrating thing ever because you just wanted to be Hulk and you just wanted to, just, to smash things. Um, when you're playing the puzzle uh, portions of the game, is it satisfying or does it feel like something you're just trying to get through to get to the next section? Um, uh, depending upon which game, and I, maybe, I don't want to get through all these in the series, but the, the last game put out was called God of War Ascension, which chronologically is the very first game in the series. It's when, when, it's when Kratos is still, has, he has a blood oath to, to Ares, so he still kind of has to, he can't break it, but he's trying to find ways to do it. It's, it's the most recent game, but can't the puzzles in it. how to quit Ares. Yeah, but the puzzles in it start to feel like, okay, can we just move on now? And it's maybe just because I've played five other games, and the puzzles aren't bad. It's just that 
after a while, it's like, how many large gears and levers do I need to, to move and turn? And, um, so some of the puzzles are amazing. The first couple, I remember what was in the second or third game. There was one where it, you saw a dead body and you didn't think anything about it. Then you eventually realized that you're going to need it to depress like a, like a, like a, a floor plate. So you use this, you find this dead body, you eventually just throw it on this plate. And then that's still not all of it. Like you use this dead body like three or four ways to solve a puzzle. And it's very unique because it's like, oh, well, this guy's dead. I don't care. I'm going to throw him around. Um, but the puzzles, like think of, so David Jaffe, the guy who created God of War, the, the original one, his inspirations were Clash of the Titans, um, Heavy Metal Magazine, and um, Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, those are three really great references or influences but, to have. But now that you've seen a little bit of it, yeah. you see obviously the Greek mythology of the Clash of the Titans, but then you get the heavy metal, like dark, twisted sexualization of like because God of War. It's a very dark. It's a very dark mythology, and it doesn't hide. It doesn't shy away from the nudity or brutality. It's it's. It's it, even people that watch Game of Thrones be like, I don't know, that's a bit much. Like there, there are just some really wicked moments in this world. Mm -hmm. uh, even Conan the Barbarian's like, I don't know about some of this. Like it's it's very. <laughs> um, and then you get like, um, and what he means by um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's like the large, like the large temples with like the traps and the gears and like all of that stuff. And it, that's kind of how that's probably the best way to encapsulate this world is that it's a dark Greek mythology that. Um, you question everything going on, but there's always puzzles to solve too. And then the, the so the, some of the puzzles go back and forth between like, Oh, I figured out this part. Now there's enemies. Like they try to keep it. it you could definitely tell when it goes from now I got to fight a bunch of guys. Now I got to solve stuff, but that scratches a ditch for me. I like both halves of that kind of combination. So it enhanced your gameplay. It didn't, it wasn't a detriment so much as you felt that it built into the story for the most part. For the most least. part. Yeah. Yeah. So like the temple of Pandora I thought was cool. There, there is, um, there's some stuff in the second game where you have to go find the, the, the sisters of fate because like, you know, you're pissed off and want to change your fate. There's a whole, that whole thing's a long puzzle too. That's this, it, it's very, it's very satisfying once all the pieces come together, you know, like you finally see, okay, this is how all of this fits together. So I enjoyed that. Um, but I don't, I just, I enjoy the personalities. I enjoy the enemies and Kratos, even, uh, even as he seems like a simple character through the series and he does terrible things for the most part, you understand why he's mad when you get to the third game and he's finally just like, I'm mad at everybody. Then he starts to become a bit of a villain. Um, there's a bit in the third game where after he uh, deals with the Titans, because he basically tells the Titans, which they were before the Olympians, right? So, so Zeus's father was Kronos, who was a Titan. And there's this whole big uh, uh, theme in the games of uh, sons um, killing fathers, right? Uh, which this will tie into the very end we're going to talk about, I promise. Um, so Zeus is trying, he held the Titans. He he banished the Titans and killed most of them. Kratos finds a way to change time and fate and bring the Titans back and say, you know what? We're going to go screw over Zeus. And uh, But then in the meantime, the Titans are like, thank you. We just, we just basically helped you so we could do this. We don't need you. So he's now pissed off at the Titans and the gods and pretty much anybody in between. So when you get to three, there's a bit where he's fighting Poseidon. And as you're beating up Poseidon, the camera shifts from Kratos' point of view to Poseidon's point of view. So you see Kratos coming at you, just beating you senseless, and then eventually putting uh, his thumbs in your eyes. Mm -hmm. So you, you kind of go through the brutality of being beaten up by Kratos 
but he's the character you're playing. Okay. So it, it begins the question like, is it worth it? You know, is, is your quest for, quest for vengeance worth it? Because you're you're now seeing Kratos as more of a monster than a man. Um, and I think that was interesting. I don't know if the story in that third game was the best, but there's a bit, and this is a spoiler. One, one, one you find out that Kratos is the son of Zeus because Zeus is um, he's a bit of a whore. He likes going. I don't know. It's it's Zeus. Um, I just <laughs> it's I, Zeus. I, I kind of just want Will Ferrell to play Zeus. That'd be great. Just like this, like a wedding crasher type of Zeus just shows up. Um, Mom, meatloaf. <laughs> um, when you finally defeat Zeus, there like so. There's button prompts in the game. There, one of the the hallmarks of the series is what's called the quick time event. Whereas you're watching all this action unfolding on the screen, there'll be like a button prompt, like press square, and you have to keep. You basically, the game's like, are you paying attention? Because if you're not paying attention, the sequence is going to end, and you're going to be you're going to be dead. Like it's basically like Dragon's Lair. Like you have to like follow the button prompts in order to get through with with Dirk, right? Yeah, I never made it like longer yeah. than a minute and a half on that game. Yeah, but it's the same idea, yeah. right? So when you get to Zeus and you finally defeat him, it's giving you this button prompt to keep punching him and punching him and punching him. And the screen's starting to get red with the blood. And normally most games would be like, okay, that's enough. We're going to move on to the next scene. And I'm like, okay, I'm waiting for this to happen. And I'm still punching and still punching and still punching. And then it occurs to me, the game's waiting for me to be done punching Zeus and killing him before it moves on to the next moment. And it, so it makes you almost feel like I'm a monster. Because I didn't know <laughs> I could stop, you know, yeah. like, and it's very, it's one of those moments. It's like, you know, like I'm just going along because the video games telling me to press this button and without me realizing I don't have to press it anymore. I think that's an interesting statement, you know, like, um, it kind of puts you, it, it, you're in the mind of Kratos, but you're also just like, like, how far do I let this go? You know? Well, it's interesting that you say that because it was going to lead into my next question. But first, let me just say that, like, I feel like I would be too stupid to get that that was what the game was trying to get me to do. Well, that's why I say be- it took me a couple minutes of like I just kept pressing it. I just kept pre- I kept punching and kept punching and kept punching because <laughs> I'd just be like, "Damn it! Why? Why isn't this working? Why is this? Why isn't this going into the next scene?" Um, but with the game culture as it is today, I know that you know between you know people watching video games on Twitch to um like leagues being built around you know different video games like the Overwatch League and um you know so much of the video game culture now is actually watching just other people play um back when god i make it sound like i'm 100 years old but like you know when i think back to like for instance Mike Tyson's punch out there was a cheat code to get to Mike Tyson there yeah. was uh the code to get 30 guys on contra there was always you know something that you could get that could help you along in the game like how much of the gameplay you know is based on you just getting to a point where you're like i don't know what i'm supposed to do at this point i'm sure there's a youtube video of it and i'm not saying you in general but i just wonder like how much of that is a piece of the game at this point like um and i realize that's not an easy answer uh, question to answer but i feel like if you're watching somebody play the game, you're also unlocking how to beat it. Yeah, no, that's fair. So uh, I'll give you a good example. So I, I finished every God of War game up until... So when I bought this Ruby Red one, it came with Ascension, which was the newest game at the time. And that the game's like... I have the date here. When did it come out? Um, 1934. Yeah, pretty much. No, it came out March uh, of 2013. And I know I bought... I think I I bought the system in that same year, so it's what twenty eighteen. 
I finally started playing that game this year. Like I played it a little bit when I got it, but I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then when I talked to you about wanting to do this, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to play Ascension and I'm going to finish it. I cannot finish this goddamn game <laughs> to save my life. Like I like there's 30 chapters and there like you talk about the puzzles kind of wearing thin. I did go on. There was walkthroughs. I went on my phone. I was like, how do I solve some of this? I would give it a good college try. But after a while, I'm like, you know what? It's Sunday. I got things to do. I can't sit here for hours and try to figure this out now versus before. Yeah. Right. So I got all the way through uh, there. I, I'm on chapter 28 of 30. And it's this thing called the trial of Archimedes, which, you know, Archimedes is a son of a bitch. That's all I have to say. And it's just, and for me, it's an impossible fight. I'm sure if I'm talking, if people that play this game, finish it, like, it's the easiest thing in the world. It's like, I cannot get past it. And it's a fight. And I just feel like it's stacked against you so hard that I can't get past it. So knowing that we're going to talk about this game on like, the God of War series on the show, I broke down and did the one thing I never wanted to do with a video game. And I went on YouTube and watched somebody else finish that section. And then I watched what the last two chapters of the game would be because I don't know if I'll ever be able to beat it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's because I'm becoming an old guy and can't play video games anymore or because that section in particular is so hard. And Sony admitted that when that game came out, that people could not get past that part, so they quote unquote patched it. So I'm playing the patch version. I can't get past that. Okay, you know, and it's like so. Maybe one day. Maybe <laughs> maybe I'll finish it one day. I still haven't beaten Mike Tyson, so I neither have I. You know, but <laughs> so so yeah. This is the one time. This is my secret shame is I had to watch somebody else finish the game. You know, and because I already I. People would argue, well, you already did 27 chapters on your own, but the last three are the end of the game. Like, how right. could you know? And I feel like after that one little bit, the rest of it I could do on my own. I, like, it looked really approachable. Um, so it makes me mad that I've not finished this because I finished the rest of them. And it's very rare for me to play every single game in a series. But this is the one that I was actively excited for because uh, I, I thought the story was great. I liked, um, I liked that Kratos, no matter how hard he pushes, like, example so you know he obviously killed his wife and kid feels guilty about that has the ashes he's always going to have the ashes on his body uh and so at the end of the first game he beats Ares and he goes to athena and says all right i've i've, I've killed you know the god of war um you know can you please get rid of these visions i have of me killing my wife and daughter and she's like that's not what the deal was the deal was we'd forgive you for that you're still going to be stuck with with the knowledge that you did it that's a very that's a very uh, Greek tragedy type of thing. I thought that was interesting because the way I took it was was that like you're a horrible person and you have to remember these things. Yeah, like, you should you should not be relieved of them. Yeah, so you know even though we're forgiving you, you should still have to carry it around. Which that's what happened, right? Yeah. So. And so he goes to kill himself, and Athena's like, no, we need a new god of war. By the way, Athena, probably not a good thought process to be like, I can't forgive your madness, but I can give you the powers of a god. So she makes him the new god of war, and in the second game, he's still the god of war, and he's abusing his powers just like Ares did. And so Zeus comes down and, and, and you know basically kills him. Uh, so... And then, then of course, Kratos is mad because that's just his default. And he eventually fights his all the way his way back to go kill Zeus. And Athena stands in the way to try to stop him. And he accidentally kills Athena. And it's like another death he didn't mean to have happen is now on his conscience, you know. And but then he doesn't blame himself; he blames Zeus, you know. Yeah. So it's like he just keeps barreling forward, right? So it becomes this whole thing of like, there's more and more tragedy. And one more, like, there's two more things I'll mention before we get to the end here, because I know it's just me being like, I like this guy who kills things. Um, and one of the the PSP games, 
he actually ends up in Elysium with his daughter because he finds a way to get into basically heaven. He got stuck in a Matt Damon movie? He got stuck in a Matt Damon movie. He ends up getting to Elysium to see his daughter that he had killed because she's there because obviously it wasn't her fault that he killed her. And he's at peace. But then he realizes that the person that let him in had this much bigger plan to destroy Olympus and the world. And he realizes that he can't let that happen. And plus, plus he's pissed because he got tricked. So there's this whole section in that game where he doesn't have his his abilities or weapons because he's at peace in Elysium. So you have to go around and start killing everybody in Elysium to basically become bad enough to get out of Elysium. <laughs> so it's like you put him in heaven. And he's like, I got to get out of here. All right, I guess I'm killing angels. That's what it felt like. So he kicked himself out of Elysium to go fight somebody because he was mad at him. Like, so that was amazing to me. Um, there's another section of the game where he goes to Atlantis for one reason or another. Atlantis is like, it's, it's an above water city. Not for long. Cause he does enough to sink it. And that pisses off Poseidon. So then when you see him in three, Poseidon has a reason to be mad at Kratos. So like he sinks Atlantis. He basically makes everybody Elysium question their own, like, are they going to stick around for their afterlife? He kills Apollo and rips his head off and uses his head as a flashlight the rest of the game. Uh, it's like he, there's, he, there's no stone left unturned or murdered with Kratos. And so he's basically responsible for most of like the bad things that happened. Uh, he causes uh chrono, not Kronos, um, Atlas to end up holding up the, the, the heavens and the earth. He basically causes that to happen, gets Atlas to forever shoulder that burden. Atlas is kind of mad at him. You know, like there's <laughs> so the, and, um, I don't know. It's just, it's just a cool series and to see how, his his different allegiances get broken because he sees a means to an end, and then they see a means to an end, and then whenever his his utility is done, they just basically say we're done now, and they drop him off, and then he gets mad and goes after them. Right? It's I I just I dig I dig the whole thing. Uh, in hindsight, now looking at the series, it does feel very one note in terms of Kratos as a character. He is tragic. He is sad, and you do every so often get the idea that he knows what he's doing, but for the most part, he's just pissed and swinging blades around. Um, fast forward to now. Uh, two days from now, the new God of War game's coming out, and I showed Steve some videos from that, and you read some stuff about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Kratos. He still has the ashy skin. He still has the tattoo. He has a nice big beard now. You know? Yes. Um, but he has a family, and he's in um, somewhere... In Midgard, I don't know where we're at, but it's like Norse mythology. Yeah, it, it takes a transition from Greek to Norse. Yeah, and so this is like however many years later, right? And he is tasked now um, because his wife's final request was to take her ashes to the highest mountain in the in the land and take take their son with him, his son Atreus. And you get the feeling that he's been very distant with his son because one. You know what happened to the last time he had a wife and child probably didn't go so well with him. So you know maybe maybe not hang out with them as much. And two, because he knows what he's capable of doing, I don't. I you get the feeling that he doesn't want his son to fall the same way he did. And so this whole game is now a journey of him with the son, him bonding with the son, and and then him being basically like a stranger in a strange land, but a god in a strange land. Cause he doesn't under like with all the, the Greek mythology stuff, he knew all that top and bottom backwards and forwards. Cause that's the world he existed in this, this one, he does not know Like he requires his son to help read the, the, um, the runes and things. Cause he just does not know the land. And it's a very interesting place to put this character. 
Yeah, and you know, when I was reading up on it, one of the things that I read, and I don't want to say that they felt it was stagnant, but you know, they felt that the, a change was needed to the God of War series. Um, the creators behind it felt that it needed to evolve. I guess might be the best way of putting it. Yeah. Um, when I look at the character, I mean, certainly there's uh, a lot of this the same of what had been previously in that character, um, but you know, you'd mentioned they changed his weapon. You know the the blades on his hands or, or his arms are no longer there. Mm-hmm. He has an axe now. Um, the addition of his son, who's also not. My understanding was he's not a playable character, but he helps you out and will follow your you commands. You can command him, yeah, yeah. Um, and I wanted to know, like, changing that so much about the character. Do you find that that's a? And obviously, without playing it, you can't say for for, for certain. But like, do you feel like? This is an evolution that was needed, like to take him into the next, you know, whatever the next echelon is of gaming or storytelling, at least to, you know, um, keep the story going or to at least, again, evolve the the um, series. Um, and how do you feel about him having a son versus so many of the games revolving around his grief over um, having killed his own wife and daughter. So yeah, I, um, and I realize that's a big question. No, I, I think that's, that's that's perfectly reasonable. One, I I will miss the chain blade combat because it's smooth and awesome and cool. But with this one, they've moved the camera more over his shoulder versus like the the thing about the original games is that they would show you the scope. There's times the camera would pull all the way out and you'd be fighting this huge monster and, and Kratos would be like a speck on the screen and you'd see like this insurmountable thing that you'd be fighting. Um, this one, the one thing too about this new game is that it's supposed to be one single camera take. Like, so, so to speak, like if it was a movie, there would be no edits, you right? Know? Like, so this is one continuous from the title screen to the end credits. You don't do cutaways, cut scenes or anything. The camera may move, but it's continuous. Like, and, that's interesting to me. I want to know how that feels. But so lowering the the angle of combat in terms of seeing over your shoulder, that makes it more uh, like personal. Um, getting rid of the Blades of Chaos, I do like that the character still kind of has he has bandages on his forearms to show that there is scarring there from when he when he finally at the end of three he like he didn't have them anymore because like he killed everybody and was done right. Um, so. The fact that he has this new this new um, enchanted weapon or whatever it is this Leviathan axe, which is basically Thor's hammer but an axe, I think that's cool. I think if you're going to be if you're going to do Norse, give me an axe. I figure that's more appropriate for the theme. Um, I think I think what they needed was uh, with the changing of mythology. One of the other games hinted that there was other mythologies out there because he fought an Ifrit, which is Middle Eastern. And once you defeated it, you got the powers of an Ifrit. So that wasn't a Greek god or a Greek power, but you happen to be, a, uh, I forget which city it was, but it was on the edge of the empire. So the idea that there were other um, mythological hierarchies out there that he could go fight. I wanted to see a god of war in Egypt. I wanted to see him fight them. I, like a Judeo-Christian god of war. How Could you imagine him just being like, Jesus, I'm coming for you. Jesus is like, it's all cool. He's like, no, I am mad. You know, like, <laughs> could you imagine like that? Like him fighting all the saints? Like, I, I would love... kind of imagine that pissing some people off. But <laughs> yeah, it would be so good. I would be interested in it. I just want to see him fight every... Every religious deity. I think that'd be amazing. I don't care what it is. Even the flying spaghetti monster, bring it on. I think that'd be awesome. Um, but so the idea they moved it to North mythology, I think that's cool. I I like the look. The the, the, the visual presentation of the game looks amazing. Um, the, the Giving him a son, meaning he now has 
the responsibility again of, and, and, and just the knowledge that he failed badly before. And there's bits like, like there was a gameplay video showing, and I didn't show this to you, um, when they did an e three uh, demo like two years ago, it showed him with his son hunting a, like a deer or a moose or so. It's some some Norse thing, right? So with horns, and eventually they they hunt this thing down, and he teaches the kid like you know you got to finish the kill, and the kid can't do it, so he puts his hands over the knife with the kid and and pushes it into the heart of the beast to kill it, and you can see the kid's kind of like this is one of those growing up growing up moments, and you see Kratos for a second reach his hand out to touch the kid's shoulder. And then pulls back and, and doesn't. And it's like you see him processing. And it's mm-hmm. like it's such a small moment, you know? And considering that the series to this point has been just full of just big, loud, angry moments. This is a guy who, you know, he he knows he knows the extent of what he can do. He toppled like basically a world because he was pissed. Like he doesn't want that to happen again for himself. And he clearly, this kid is his son, who would by default would be a demigod as well. The kid doesn't know it, uh, but he might have a bit of his father's like anger in him. Okay, and it's like, how do you, how do you teach this kid self control? And if the kid asks you, like, well, how do you know about this? Well, let me about to t- tell you about the time that I killed everybody and I pulled off Helios's head and used it as a lantern. Like, how do you, how do you tell that story of? like destroying everything um, and you're trying to teach this kid not to go down that path. Like I, I I'm waiting for this game to make me ball my eyes out at the end, you know, like just because, and I was not expecting that kind of expect a reaction for a God of war game, but I feel like this is setting you up for some kind of emotional resonance for a change, okay. you know, for an angry guy, you know? So I don't know. I'm excited. I'm really excited. I'm, I'm glad that you took the time to read, about Kratos. I think he's an interesting character. I think the world, the Greek stuff was really interesting because it was always like, just like that dark mirror, like of like what, you know, as Greek mythology, right? Like, uh, um, uh, Icarus was a madman that you come across in the game. And he eventually like, he's not this like proud, like guy with wings. Like you eventually find him and fight him and you rip his wings off and you keep them as your own and use them in the game. That's just kind of what happens, you know? (laughs) Um, you know, and it's just the different takes on things. I just, I, I appreciate that world. I think it's time for Kratos to grow up a little bit and actually deal with the consequence of his actions. Cause I feel like that hadn't happened a whole lot other than, the initial kicking off of I've killed my family. Now I'm mad at everybody. So I feel like there's, there's going to be a better emotional weight with this game. Okay. So my, my last question is just, and again, this is not something that you'll be easily able to answer, but just looking at the numbers, I know that, um, one of the articles that I read, um, had stated that, uh, the last game had gotten an 80, which, they feel like is a high score for a lot of games, but not for a God of War. Like yeah. that was uh, a falling out on the keys kind of a moment, at least for the series, um, or at least one that made them, like I said, you know, reassess and, and make sure that the, the series evolved. Um, you know, what would be the thing that would either be the nail in the coffin for the series or what do you feel like this series needs to do in order to, I know that you're expecting an emotional core you're expecting to have a relationship. Like what is the thing that you feel like the series, um, 
like where could it take a left turn and from what we've seen you showed me that video the guy who played it seemed like he was over the moon uh, over the game um and he he definitely felt like this was a right move in the right direction yeah um you know is it something that you feel like this is a crucial point and like what is what does it either need to do or not do i guess to be a success like at least for you specifically playing the game is it i i don't know i i feel like you you mentioned god of war ascension that's the one that was the most recent one put out and that's the one i can't finish um the the biggest misstep for that game other than the fact that i can't finish it and also it's the only game in the series that you cannot adjust the difficulty mid-game that also drives like not that i want to be like i'm going to put this on the easiest setting but it's like i wanted to finish the game right i can't i can't change the difficulty i just but it's frustrating it makes me angry and i want to grab some chain blades and just find out who did that and (laughs) that's my vengeance path no the the reason that game uh, it feels like it didn't do as well as the others is one that it go it, it kept going even though i feel like some prequel stories have merit knowing that there was three god of war games and that the two playstation portable titles felt found a way to kind of fit themselves into the mythology seamlessly ready at dawn did an amazing job with the stories of both those games i didn't need and with the way god of war 3 ends it's kind of definitive that Greek mythology is in ruins, so you can't make a four with the Greek mythology. So they're like, you know, we'll just go back further, backwards. I don't like, I already know what's going to happen. I don't need that. And then the, and so you keep, you keep complicating the backstory by adding a previous chapter. And I know we talk about star Wars and the prequels, and I feel like that maybe muddied some of the water there. Um, I don't always necessarily need you building the story backwards. And I feel like that's what they did with that one. And I feel like they're like, well, you liked puzzles. We'll give you puzzles. Uh, you liked insanely hard combat. We'll give you that too. There was nothing there that felt unique and identifiable of its own. Right. With this new one, I'm excited in terms of a left turn. Had it been, I don't know, had they kept him being like this, like heavy metal version of Kratos. That's like, you know, raining blood from above of my enemies. I feel like that would have been a misstep, especially now where I feel like games have grown up a little bit. Um, I, and I'm, I'm going to mention some titles that I know you're not familiar with, but uh, there was a game called The Last of Us, which I think you should read up on that. It's actually a pretty, it's right in your wheelhouse of like horror survival type of thing. Okay. And and the main character, um, his name's, I think, Ethan. Uh, he, uh, no, it's not Ethan. Anyway, that's, I'm getting characters confused. Anyway, he, uh, he has to see over. He has to take basically care of this teenage girl as they go cross country uh, on a mission. But the whole thing, and this is a world in which most of the people have de- have died or are being infected by this kind of fungal virus that affects everybody in like a stage type of thing where people are infected and then they become like these big mushroom ugly monsters. And it's a very brutal game because you have to do resource management and watch out for her and watch out for yourself and it doesn't take much to die, but the characters, the way they talk and interact with each other, you start feeling like this is the daughter he lost and you start really caring for it. So whenever you get to the gut punch and the ending of that game, it just tears you in two. I feel like, um, the developers of this game saw the last of us, which was also a PlayStation exclusive and was like, Hey, we can do that too, but put Kratos in that position of actual character growth. And, I need a I need some substance to this game for it to blossom into something bigger. I've already gotten the badass big larger than life fights. Now I just kind of need to give a shit. And that's I mean, 
I don't know. I don't think this game's going to take a left turn to where I'll be mad at it. It's going to be different. You could have made this game of a guy with an axe that flies around like Thor's hammer that was awesome, badass combat with North mythology. I'd probably be excited for it. Putting Kratos in this, you have my attention. Okay. So it's a long-winded answer. No, no, that's absolutely fair. Um, yeah. And, you know, from what I'm seeing online, you know, the excitement when I looked into it is pretty much fever pitch. It seems like there's a, nobody that I know who isn't looking forward to this game. Um, and um, all the early word is very, very positive. Yeah. And, and, and also, um, I, since Ascension didn't do so well, it was probably best to put the series on ice for five years. Just like anything, right? If you keep making too much of something, it's going to get watered down. So this is probably the right time for this. Because then, if this works, I'm sure it's going to work. They'll make a sequel. Or maybe they'll make a third game because everything's a trilogy now. And then it's like, eventually it's like, where can Kratos go next? Where can we emotionally develop him? And if there's actually, if there's room to grow there, then I'm on board for every single game. Lego Kratos game. For Lego Kratos, yeah. <laughs> like, just, you just, <laughs> all the bricks, you know. Lord business, I come for you. Uh, so, anyway, that's my meandering talk about God of War. And Steve, thank you again for uh, reading and, and watching some of the videos. And, and, and did you, did you watch the voice acting videos I sent you some of the links to or no? That was the one that I didn't get to. Uh, it's just, some of that stuff's great because there was the second game where Michael Clark Duncan was the voice of Atlas okay. and just seeing him in the, the voice acting studio or was it the third game? Either way, I can't remember. Basically he was reading these, like Atlas, you know, is a huge Titan that's holding up the heaven, the heavens. Right. And he was kind of like getting into the performance and then um, the director, it was the third game. Uh, Stig Amison was like, or was it Corey Balrog? Either way, doesn't matter. He was like, no, 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 you don't just, just by your Atlas, just by uttering, that's that's enough to shake foundations. So they got Michael Clark Duncan to like give like more of like a not subdued but like toned down, and it's like because you're larger than life itself already. Yeah. But just hearing Michael Clark Duncan deliver these lines, it was like crazy. And then Malcolm McDowell they brought in for a role, and he thought they were going to have him repeat his dialogue like over and over again. And he was like, "Do we really have to read this twice? Like he's fighting with the voice people." He's like. <laughs> good the first time why are we doing it a second time and they're trying to explain to him the process and eventually he, he eventually is like oh i thought i had pages of dialogue to read i realized that there wasn't much here he's like i apologize <laughs> like, <laughs> like, so to see malcolm mcdowell get kind of pissy with everybody it was kind of great so i'll have to check that out yeah, yeah. it was fun and kevin sorbo they, that's another thing too real quick they actually brought in some pretty great people to voice act some of the stuff kevin sorbo was hercules but not he played it different than the series. Like he was more of a guy with a chip on his shoulder because he's supposed to be the strongest and the champion of the gods. He's kind of pissed at Kratos, you know? Yeah. So that was cool. Uh, Adrian Barbeau, Barbeau was the voice of, um, Oh, I had this here in my notes. Uh, the wife of Zeus. I think that's right. Uh, yeah, she was Hera. I think that was her name. Is that right? That's not right. Um, but they had her in for that. Uh, Clancy Brown was the voice of Hades in one of the games. Like they've brought in some really great people. And um, I think uh, what's his face from, from clash of the Titans, um, Harry Hamlin. Okay. Was the voice of Perseus and the, and that he was Perseus in that film. They made him, they brought him in to be the voice of Perseus in the game. So they, they, they were paying a lot of homage to people that have had these roles and they brought a voice actor in to do the Zeus who did the voice of Zeus and the Hercules uh, Disney cartoons. James Woods? No, he, he was. Oh, he was Hades. 
Yeah, but they had whoever did Zeus. So they they brought in the right people to do things. It was just some great voice casting. That's funny. Yeah. So anyway, enough about that. I'm excited to buy God of War Day One, and then if you guys have been following the show for any length of time. I will probably not finish it for three years, but that's fine. I'm going to buy it day one and be excited for it and play it for like five minutes and be like, oh yeah, Overwatch. And then you'll never hear me talk about God of War again. I hope not. I'm sure I'll play it. I won't be playing God of War, but I will make a concerted effort to beat Mike Tyson. There you go. So, all right, that's going to do it for talk about God of War. If you, uh, if you guys have any favorite moments for God of War, I know I asked this before last week and someone mentioned the battle with Hercules. I agree. That was awesome. Uh, find us on our Facebook page. It's Invasion of the Podcast. Uh, we have uh, we're on Twitter and Inva- in, in Invading Podcast. Um, we have a Gmail. It's Invading Podcast at gmail.com. We have our blog. You can find Invasion of the Podcast uh, where I'm doing my year of the knockoff. There's going to be another one coming soon. Even though I just recently wrote about an alien knockoff, I feel like I might watch another one. All right. Uh, that, uh, uh, that Saturn 3 film, I think you and I were talking about oh, previously. Oh, yeah. I feel like I'm going to watch that and talk about that one. So. Or write about it, I should say. We, we won't be doing a year of the knockoff for uh, until the end of May, just so you guys know that it's going to be like every two weeks, because <laughs> um, then that's whenever uh, the the solo film comes out. So we have something special planned for that. Um, so yeah, keep an eye on the blog. There'll be more added soon. Um, and then Steve, how can people also find the stuff that you're doing? Uh, you can check me out at SaturdayNightSlasher.com. We got some shows coming up. I'll be at Free Comic Book Day at Carol and John's doing free sketches that Friday night. Uh, and we'll also be at Three Rivers Con in Pittsburgh in May. So check out uh, all the links and all the cool stuff that we'll be doing. Perfect. So, all right. So here, um, yeah, this is, I don't know if this is really a game. Time to play the game. In honor of Kratos being the angriest man in video games, until now, now he's just going to be dad of the year, I guess. I don't know. I decided to ask Steve to come up with five questions about what would, like, he's going to give me, like, what would make me matter? And I have five questions for him, so it's going to be, like, an either-or. And I'll be honest, like, Steve, I know you. I don't know. I feel like I don't know the buttons the push to make you, like, really annoyed. So some of this might be... Maybe maybe it doesn't make you mad. Maybe you're indifferent. So we'll find out. So, All right. All right. So first thing, what makes you matter? Pumpkin spice in August or Christmas in October? Uh, Christmas in October. <laughs> uh, there's nothing nothing more infuriating than when I go to look for Halloween stuff and there's Christmas crap in front of it. Um, I don't drink pumpkin spice anything, so I don't care. It could be around all year. I could care less. Um, but when I go into a store in October or even September, and I'm like, yeah, because I love Halloween. Um, it's my favorite holiday by far. Um, I look forward to going to stores throughout the entire like September, October time, just looking for whatever's out there. Um, and actually, like one of my favorite times is when I walk into a Target and there's Halloween stuff has been put up, and realizing it's the first time that I get to look at whatever they've got out for this year. <laughs> um, and when that stuff gets pushed aside for Christmas stuff, and it's like October fourth, I get mad—not Kratos mad, but pretty mad. See, I, I'm not a fan of Christmas in October either, but the pumpkin spice thing makes me mad because we're still in summer and people are like, I can't wait for fall. It's like, I can wait for fall because what comes after fall? Winter. Let's be summer all year long. Like, I understand that's probably, like, I know some people don't like summer. I just, I don't like 
rigging the the death knell for summer early and it's summer all year long is a kid rock song. <laughs> is, oh, no, uh, I'm kidding. Yeah. So just so the Christmas like the Christmas early makes me mad too, but it's just like guys, I'm still sitting on my couch sweating. Can we please not get to get the fall and winter yet? Yeah, so, yeah. I, I can understand that perspective, but if I could have Halloween Halloween all year long, I, I would. So. <laughs> all right. So, well, alrighty. So, my first question for you is: is uh, and I when I wrote some of these, some of these are specific to you, some of them are not. The first one is not. These are just things that I think probably say more about me. But um, you know, which makes you angrier: someone who's on their phone at the movies, or being stuck in traffic? And I'm not um, talking like, oh, you're there for a minute or two. I'm talking about a long traffic stop where you're stuck there for a half hour to 45 minutes because some idiot doesn't know how to merge. Uh, the theater, hands down, because at least if I'm stuck in traffic, I can listen to something like a podcast. Maybe not maybe not listen to myself, but like other podcasts. Because uh, at least then, because <laughs> I don't know, I don't have to still, I mean, as much as there's stop traffic around me, I'm still in my car by myself. Okay. And if I'm in a theater... And there's someone being like that, that just burns me up. Okay, I I kind of go. I mean, I'm with you. Um, I try to at least block out that person, but the fact that I'm just trapped in my car, I can't go anywhere, sometimes burns me a little hotter. <laughs> so, so funnily enough, I'll ask you my next one. So, someone texting or Facebooking in the theater, or someone eating really loudly in the theater. Ooh, um, I definitely feel like. Eating in the theater, I can block out somebody who's on the phone or texting or like, I just, I don't understand going to, a th- going to the theater to experience a movie and not paying attention to it. I just, that just mm-hmm. burns my ass. Um, I don't understand, like, I almost get a conversation. Like, I would rather hear two people talking because at least I'm like, oh, at least they're talking about the damn movie. The person who's like on their phone, like doing whatever is just, ugh. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, because it's not only like, okay, maybe they're not enjoying the movie or whatever their stupid excuses, but they're ruining it for everyone else around but Like, them. what if someone snuck in, like, an entire bucket of fried chicken in the theater and was just eating, and you hear the loud <laughs> smacking and chewing? I would be like, hey, man, you got to <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I whispered that close enough to the, the mic, but I would ask for a You're lighting. sitting beside them already. Yeah. <laughs> it's you. It's like, I wouldn't be bothered by them because I'm eating my own bucket of chicken. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, my wife, uh, every time we go to the movies and I give her like candy to sneak in, she acts like it's heroin that I'm giving her. You know, I'm like, it's just a box of milk duds. Like, stop making such a big deal out of it. Like, the movie police are going to throw us out. Like, I've watched enough Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul to feel like Border Patrol like sweeps. I'm always worried. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that's what's going to happen. Alrighty, so my next question here is: is uh, what makes you angrier when the drive-through messes up your order, or when someone steals your lunch at work? Oh, when someone steals my lunch at work, because um, I, I've I've not I've only had it happen twice at, at my current job, and both times it involved a pizza, and it made me mad because you know like it, you you you've been in situations where the workplace is like, oh, we bought pizza for everybody and there's some extra in the fridge and there's usually a note and it's usually labeled like, hey guys, extra pizza. Yeah. It's just when people are like, oh, well, there's pizza here. I've lost, overall, I've lost half a pizza twice. So I've lost an entire pizza that I've ordered for lunch or whatever reason I had pizza there. And it's just like, what is the thought process that people think it's okay to take it? Yeah. That makes me so mad that it's that invasion 
of um of personal space and just the idea that it's like well, I could take this with 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 no indication that you're allowed to that burns me up yeah um I had a when I uh, started at Verizon many years ago um I'm no longer there but when I was there uh they had ordered pizza and like everybody chipped in and one guy who didn't chip in he like ate a bunch of the pizza i didn't get any and then he gloated about it and thought it was hilarious i was like that's that's great what's what's wrong with people yeah that's you know um the only thing i'll say about like the drive-through is like there's nothing worse than like particularly if there's something that like you can't scrape off a sandwich where you're like (laughs) i'm looking forward to getting home and eating this sandwich and it's covered in mayonnaise awesome right into the trash you're going like <laughs> i like i feel like the place that messes up my order most often is taco bell at nighttime but i figure it's the same five ingredients so that's fair like it's one of those things where i'm like that's not what I, eh. it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's taco bell which is what's happened like it's more like not more often than not but what's happened it's like well like really how is this much different than what i was ordering anyway that's fair i yeah. can't argue with that yeah. um all right so uh, next thing here, this ties into earlier in the episode. Uh, what makes you matter? That Fuller House exists or that a revival of Night Court will never exist? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I have to say that, uh, you know, now that he's gone, I would say the, the Night Court thing. Um, I think I brought this up on a previous episode, but like I used to hate watch Full House when it was on originally. <laughs> so like I was really into it because I'm like, God, this show is awful, and I can't get enough of it because it's so bad. And then when they did the the relaunch on Netflix, I watched the first season, and people were like, Oh, it's just not the same show. It's not nearly as good. And I'm like, It's the exact same show. It's just as terrible as it was 20 years ago. Yeah. You're looking through it, looking at it through rose colored glasses. Now, mind you, I haven't watched any other seasons. But I just I was I was kind of mystified because I'm like oh it's still terrible it's just as bad as you remember it or apparently don't remember it so um, but I think that like Night Court is actually a very it's a, a very original concept or at least a, a unique one in, in that sense and I don't think we've seen that type of comedy in a long time and I think it probably would particularly now where like they're like mad about you's coming back I'm like I don't care. all right yeah, yeah so. Yeah. It's like every show is getting a revival. Yeah, so. I just like the only thing I could equate Night Court to and this is loosely is like Scrubs where you had the constant uh, intercutting of work and comedy. Mm-hmm. Even though Scrubs was a little bit more serious, but but the the uh, the cutaways and the fantasies were very much in line with something you would see on Night Court, but it was the day-to-day and because it was overnight, you always had the weirdos. Like it was just I I would have liked I don't know if it'd work, but it would have been with the setup like that, you could have had a couple of the older characters and some newer ones. I think it'd been fine. Not that I'm asking for a revival of Night Court. I mean, can't have it now anyway. I don't think because without without Harry Anderson, I don't think you'd have it. But it's just the fact that Fuller House exists and it keeps getting renewed, and I don't understand it. And it's just like, and have I? You can ask me, like Paul, have you watched a single episode? No, I don't have to. Like maybe I'm ju- blind, blindly judging something. Like you said, Full House itself wasn't good. I watched it growing up, and Dave Coulier, with all his little catchphrases, I like that. Cut it out. Cut it out. And uh, Ranger, was it Ranger Joe with uh, with the woodchuck? Yeah. You know? But you do the woodchuck stuff on America's Place People, you know, like, right. uh, but whatever. And then Jesse and the Rippers, you know, like, it's just, 
you know, have mercy, you know, but it's just, just goddamn that have for mercy on your soul. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. What's the next oh, one for me? All right. So, uh, this one's kind of a personal one. So, um, which, which makes you angrier? The delight other people take in your misery over Space Jam <laughs> or Ernest Klein? Oh, what? You know, I, I think I'll honestly say I think it's the Space Jam thing, just because it's me. Um, <laughs> Ernest Klein, he doesn't know me. He isn't writing shit just to annoy me. You don't he's know just, that. He's just writing shit, <laughs> and it happens to annoy me. Um, the, the Space Jam thing, because everything's so funny, and I, I can't help it. I do. I, I just. <laughs> I don't understand why it blew up other than me saying I didn't like this movie. It wasn't very good. And somehow I punched babies. I don't understand it. I've never even seen it, but like your misery and watching it just, I don't know what it brought out in me. I guess it's the darker side of me where I'm like, so Paul really hated space jam. Just keep punching that. I just didn't like it. And then I like, it's just like, cause I I remember I was in the theater and I just leaned forward and I was like, that wasn't a very good movie. And everyone's like, what? You know, but I also saw it like my mid to late thirties. Like what's, you know, I'm, was not target market so uh was the past couple days uh steven amel uh steven amel uh arrow right yes he watched the coachella thing like like via he watched on tv whatever and he made he made some kind of passing joke about beyonce and now like all of twitter has been like shitting on him like but it's like all the beyonce fans are attacking him right and he was like calm down like but at one point someone tweeted at him and called him walmart batman and he was like i don't know who said this but this is now going to be part of my profile. <laughs> and so I feel his pain a little bit, not nearly the same, but I like the fact that someone's like, this is this Walmart Batman. <laughs> so, all right. Um, all right, next thing. Uh, all right. Baby pictures or food pictures on social media? Which one drives you nuts? Ooh. Um... You know, the thing with baby pictures is they're fine, but, like, I feel like if I can, like, take your profile on Facebook and, like, build, like, one of those videos where it's, like, here's a picture of somebody simultaneously growing up because I took a photo of them every day. Yeah. I feel like that gets to be a little (laughs) bit much, but I'm sure there are people who are, like, on my Facebook feed are, like, God damn it, he's talking about Star Wars again? (laughs) Shut up. So, um... Food, I think I've rarely, like every once in a while, posted something that I'm like, oh, this is, you know, something that I'm eating at this time. Um, But yeah, kid pictures are fine, especially if they're kids that I know. (laughs) Um, You know, if you're somebody I went to high school with and like, I get it, like, you know people too and you want them to see your kids. But like... uh, pull back a little bit like you know maybe a picture a week is fine but like <laughs> if yeah. you're like isn't he adorable no no he's not sorry yeah i just i i, I have to kind of side with that where it's like again i don't have kids so that's fine and, and I, I realize yeah it makes me kind of a dick to say it but like because i don't have kids either so but same time it's like i i don't know like i i i know i post a cat photo each day like, but that's from a calendar of cat photos, and it's kind right. of the, the joke. But I, I don't know. It's like 
I, I get so frustrated with that where it's like, yes, your kid's doing that. That's that's fine. Great. Good good for that kid. Just like every other kid. <laughs> like, right. So I it just that or the fact of the person that's all they post, regardless of frequency, that's also frustrating to me. Because I feel like at least my frustrations when I post things vary <laughs> across the spectrum of frustrations or, or interests than just one thing. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. I, I'm definitely, uh, yeah, I I think it's definitely the, the, the kids. Yeah. So. All right. So what do you got for me next? All righty. So this one is personal only because I, this came out of a conversation that we had at Wasteland. Um <laughs> The first part of it is, is which makes you anger drinking any flavor of LaCroix <laughs> um, or as you've re- or if you've as you've previously described them on other episodes, trash candy eating Reese's Pieces, I, which would I hate more? Yeah. Which would make La- you anger if you LaCroix. had to like I, just because at least with uh, uh, Reese's Pieces, it's like, you know, I, I don't like that candy, but it's still candy. LaCroix is just fruit sweat. I don't, it's not even, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I know the, the joke someone made recently, and we've all said it, where it's like someone feels that LaCroix is a someone opened a, bo- opened a bottle of water, uh, and, and then someone in the room adjacent shouted out the flavor, the, the name of a flavor. <laughs> I, I just like, we, we buy the sparkling water from Giant Eagle, but it actually has aspartame in it. So there is a little bit of sweetener, and even though people can argue that I'll grow like a mouse ear or something on my back, I don't know. The way I figured it's not like drinking soda, and it's still like, that tastes way better to me. It tastes like actual something fruity. And LaCroix yeah. just, I don't know, man. Like, it's like water just punches you in the face. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it at all. And I've tried. I've tried. And I don't know if it's an acquired taste or acquired taste in the sense that if you drink enough of it, you'll tolerate it. But I have friends who enjoy it a lot, and I just don't know if they honestly enjoy it or they're just trying to make everybody believe they enjoy it. I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. So, all right. Um, last one for you. This one's a little, a little weird. Which makes you matter? Warner Brothers mostly handling of the DC Universe or Rob Zombie's Halloween films? Uh, it's DC. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I actually enjoy his remake. I don't like two at all, but, like, I can separate myself from it and be like, I can see that he tried to do something different with it, which is much better to me than, say, like, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, which was just bad um in my opinion or friday the 13th which just felt like it didn't go far enough or uh, didn't really take us to a place mm-hmm. that it could have um both those movies felt like missed opportunities where at least i can look at halloween by rob zombie and go like i could see at least where what he was trying to do and to make it his own um what was the second half of that no the first part was the warner brothers oh uh, yeah. yeah so <laughs> the warner brothers thing is just it's mind-boggling with with and I, I I know that it's like we talk about Marvel a lot, but like with them crushing it, like for I, a company that has control of every one yeah. of their characters, like I don't understand how they're not knocking it out of the park with no. the amount of talent that's out there, the fact that comic book movies are so high profile. I just I don't understand. I I. I think that like they committed to a plan and they didn't have really a good plan in place and they screwed themselves in the end. Um, and you know, there are going to be hopefully bright spots coming. Like, you know, there'll be wonder woman too. There'll be, 
Uh, Ava DuVernay um, directing a New Gods movie, and they just mm-hmm. announced a Birds of Prey movie directed by someone whose name I can't remember. But you know, hopefully those are steps in the right direction. But like, I don't know how you make a movie out of Superman, Batman, and it's not like <laughs> if you can't get me to see Superman versus Batman in the theater, like you did something wrong. So did you actually watch Batman Superman? I still have not. All right. Well, no matter what, re- recording aside, I would love to sit down and just watch it with you and just watch just the <laughs> just just the frustration <laughs> break. That would be so much fun because that's the only way I'd watch that movie a second time. Um, all right. So did you have? Uh, was uh, that, yeah, I got okay. one more, okay. but I'm gonna call an I'll, I'll, I'm gonna call an audible okay. um, because uh, I think I've got a better question than what I wrote down. Uh, so which makes you angrier? When somebody praises the Big Bang Theory, or when that same person doesn't know what community is, <laughs> I, I I hope I've not met this person. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, that's frustrating. I the Big Bang isn't comedy; it's reference, and that's that you know. Or if it is comedy, it is the it is the 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 rotting corpse of the three camera sitcom, like before a live studio audience where it's like boom, boom joke. You know, that's that I don't, like, I get tired of that. Yeah. Um, though I was just talking about night court, like that was the live before <laughs> studio audience. Um, but I feel like that comedy is different. And yeah. um, like, like I have a hard time watching uh, the older three camera sitcoms now because some of the laugh track stuff, but like I can watch something like Frasier still without a problem. Cause that still really feels it holds up to me. So yeah, people praising the Big Bang I think makes me angrier because then I feel like they have never watched something like Community. Like how can you how can you hold them both up in your head equally? That's I know I sound biased and you can judge me and that's fine. But even Community at its worst is still watchable, I feel like to me. And I I don't know. Like I if you like Big Bang Theory, it's fine. I just wonder if you've ever watched anything else. Right. Or if you actively want to watch anything else. People will argue that it's just a breezy escapism. Sure, The Dukes of Hazard was too, but I'm hoping you watch a different show than that sometimes. Yeah, you know? there was The Incredible Hulk, which came on after. Yeah, right, there you go. <laughs> the more serious film with the sad piano music. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's Big Bang Theory. Yeah, that'll make me mad. Like Kratos level mad. Like I, <laughs> I'll go fight the Big Bang. Um, so yeah all right I think that's going to do it this was a longer episode expected just because of our delay Uh, next week guys getting ready for Infinity War we're going to take a look back at the original Infinity Gauntlet series the six six issues that kind of springboarded all this yeah yeah Uh, I was just going to say you know it's one of those books that's uh, uh, I wouldn't say that it's as popular as say like Secret Wars or DC's, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earths, but it's definitely one of the biggies. So. Yeah, so it was big for what it is. We'll see if we'll see if there's any seeds in there that have um, that have led to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. How that's translated some of that. Um, the, I, I spoiler, I did read it recently because I wanted to hand off my copy to Steve to refresh for himself. Um, I have issues with this with this six issue collection, <laughs> and we'll we'll talk about that when we get there. So yeah, I figure a good way to ramp up for Infinity War is to to read Infinity Gauntlet, you know, like because that's the that's the thing Kratos. Oh no, that's the thing Thanos is wearing, you know. Yeah. So um, so yeah, that's what we're gonna look at next week. Until uh, then, everybody have have a safe week. If if you, know, you want to play God of War, new games coming out on Friday, go play it. 
go be angry and then go hug your son. I don't know. Like, I, take, and take photos of him and put him on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm going to end the, end the show here without outside of our regular music. There was a five song album put out called um, uh, God of War Blood and Metal. So they got some new metal bands to play like songs inspired by God of War. Yeah. So just enjoy. <laughs> <laughs>